Today we're continuing our sermon series on means of grace. We have this week and next week left before we get into our Lent sermon series. And today is a really important day. Today we have finally reached the means of grace called sacraments. Sacraments. Sacraments are something really special that we get to be a part of here in the church. But a lot of us can have confusion over what the sacraments are, um, why they are so important, why we practice them, and what makes the sacraments so different from all the other means of grace. In the United Methodist Church, we recognize two sacraments. We recognize Holy Communion and Baptism. Now, this is different from some other denominations. Um, for example, the Catholic Church recognizes seven sacraments. We only recognize two. But as we've learned during this sermon series, um, we've learned that there are all kinds of different ways, all other means of grace that are important for our faith journeys, but these are the only two that we consider sacraments. And so these sacraments, these means of grace, they're a little different. They're set apart and they're special. So what are sacraments? What are sacraments? They are a means of grace that first are an outward and visible sign of an inward grace. They're an outward and visible sign of an inward grace. So some of the other means of grace that we've talked about this month, prayer, studying scripture, fasting, those are not always outward and visible, right? Sure, you can pray with others or you can read scripture aloud in church, but they can most definitely be inward as well. Um, actually, often we do these things in the privacy of our own homes. Um, Jesus actually talked about fasting not being done in public for everyone to see, and so those should be private things. Receiving communion and being baptized, they always start with an inward grace, okay? God speaks to you personally. God moves in your heart. God offers you grace. But then it is always outward and a visible sign of those things. When you are baptized, you do it in front of the church, Publicly, And it even involves, if you remember, a commitment from not only the person being baptized, but the commitment of the church as well. It is an outward, visible commitment to live into the grace that God has given you. And it's the same with communion. We receive communion. Notice that I try not to ever say we take communion. We don't take communion from God. We receive communion. That's why I like when people hold out their hands like this and they receive communion. To receive communion means that someone has to give it to you, right? It is always outward and visible because it is a sharing of communion with others. I read this quote this week from a Resource UMC article, and I think that it describes this outward and um, a communal aspect of communion really well. It says, when people gather for the Lord's Supper, God's grace is not just available for individuals. During Holy Communion, we rub shoulders with people we otherwise, we wouldn't otherwise be with. God has a great sense of humor to do this. God brings us together and says, deal with it. When you kneel at this altar right here and you receive communion, you might be kneeling next to someone that you don't necessarily agree with. The person who is serving you communion, you might not be friends with, or you might not run in the same circles as them. But at the communion table, we are, we all become equal. We are on the same level playing field. Because at the end of the day, we all need grace, and Jesus has invited us all. 
So when you come forward today and you receive the sacrament, you can look around at all the people around you, and you'll see all the people that God loves and calls. And when you kneel at the altar, it's an outward sign of what God has done for all of us on the inside. All right? So number two, sacraments invite us into God's grace and into God's church. Sacraments invite us into God's grace and the church. Both baptism and communion involve an invitation. God does not coerce us. God does not coerce us. He does not force our hand. God invites us. And when we come to the table, when we say yes to the waters being poured on us, we are now in relationship with God. And so there is this beautiful interaction going on in the sacraments of God inviting us and then us accepting the invitation. It's a two-way street. In these sacraments, we get to experience the gentle, open, welcoming, kind, patient love of God because God invites us. When we have a baptism in the United Methodist Church, we say this in our liturgy. We say we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. So once again, it is a free invitation without strings attached. And not only is it an invitation to God's grace, it's an invitation to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, right? God invites us to be a part of the family of God, of the church. Our official document on communion called this holy mystery, it says that the Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus Christ is the host and that we participate at Christ's invitation. Jesus is the host. We're not the host. We just get to sit at the table with him. When we receive communion together, we always say this in our liturgy. This might sound familiar to you. We say, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. And as we break the bread, our liturgy says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in the same loaf. Realize here again that the invitation is not only to God's table, but it is to God's table alongside everyone else. So sacraments invite us to be a part of God's grace and God's church. And then third, sacraments are things that Jesus participated in himself and commanded us to do. So when Jesus shared his last supper with his disciples, he simply said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, when I'm gone, in the future, keep doing this and remember me every time you do it. John Wesley goes as far to say that we are to receive communion as often as we can. Now, we only do it once a month, so maybe we need to start rethinking that. John Wesley, he actually uh, received communion at least once weekly, and sometimes during the year he would do it every single day. He said that we need to do it as often as we can because that means that we are going to be always focused on him because we are remembering Jesus when we do communion. Reverend Gina Campbell says that when she hears Jesus' command, do this in memory of me, she says that it becomes for her 
a thin place, a place that has been so prayed over that the veil between heaven and earth seems very thin, and time and all human categories fall away. So can you just imagine that for a moment? Imagine with me that when you receive Holy Communion, there is no distance between you and God. It's like you could reach out and touch him. Because Jesus shared this very same meal when he was on earth with his disciples, and because he commanded us to do it again and again in memory of him, his spirit is actually present with us in the bread and in the juice. You know, when Jesus died, scripture says that after he died, the veil in the temple that was between the people and the holiest of holy places where the people could not go into, scripture says the veil was torn. And so because of Jesus's unlimited love and grace for us, there is absolutely no separation between us. And I think that some of us, though, can feel unworthy. Anyone ever felt unworthy? We say, I'm not worthy to come to the table. I've messed up too much. I haven't spoken to God in ages. Or when I do speak to him, I'm angry and I doubt him. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm so imperfect. Well, that's the whole point. That is the whole point. Everyone is invited to the table. John Wesley wrote about communion. He says, God offers you one of the greatest mercies on this side of heaven, and he commands you to accept it. But you say, I'm unworthy to receive it. And what then? You are unworthy to receive any mercy from God. But is that a reason for refusing it? God offers you a pardon for all your sins. You are unworthy of it, it is sure. And he knows it. But he is pleased to offer it nevertheless. That is good news. Good news. After Jesus was raised from the dead and he was about to leave his disciples, he gave a command. He gave instructions for them. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So these were Jesus' last words for us, the commission that he gave us. So I would say that it's pretty important, don't you think? Jesus commanded us to make disciples and then baptize them. And not just certain people, not just people we agree with, not just the most religious folks, but people of all nations, he says. So not, the, not just people of the same skin color as you, not the just the people who live in the same place as you, but all people. So in the United Methodist Church, we baptize everyone. <laughs> you don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to complete certain requirements. And get this, you do not even have to know Jesus yet. <laughs> you don't even have to have accepted Jesus yet before you are baptized. We baptize infants in our church. And that's because we recognize that the grace of God is present in our lives before we even realize it. That's, a, that's how powerful God's grace is. And when it comes down to it, for that reason, is what I think makes the sacraments so special and different from all the other means of grace. So prayer, studying scripture, fasting, holy conversation, 
they really all involve our participation and our initiative first, right? For example, we have to actually get out our Bibles in order to read them and study them. We have to choose to do that. We have to actually make a decision to fast from food and commit ourselves to it. But communion and baptism are means of grace in which God acts first. God acts first. God chooses us. God invites us. God showers love on us in the sacraments, even when we don't deserve it, or even when we haven't even chosen to love him back yet. That is the ultimate display of grace. God initiates it. God moves first. John Wesley even says that you may not be a believer, or you may not you may be struggling with what you believe, and you don't know what you believe yet. But if you just accept the invitation from God to come to the altar table and receive communion, he says you can actually experience and understand God's presence for the very first time in your life. That's how powerful Holy Communion is, and that's why we have an open table. Because people can actually meet God in the sacrament. In Luke 24, after Jesus was raised from the dead, and he spent some more time on earth, scripture says that he joined two men as they were walking back to their village of Emmaus from Jerusalem. And the men were talking about everything that had been going on the last few days. Um, and they had how they had heard from Mary Magdalene, how the grave was empty and Jesus was no longer there anymore. He was not in the tomb, he was alive. But as they were talking to Jesus about things, they just thought that Jesus was a stranger. So they were just, they thought that he didn't know about these things. And so the, the men were, were sharing with him, and they didn't recognize him. They either um, just didn't know it was Jesus, or for some reason, um, they were blinded to recognizing him. But scripture says that Jesus joined them in their home, and they sat down to eat a meal together. And it says Jesus took the bread, he broke it, he shared it with them. And scripture says suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. See, that's the power of Holy Communion. It opens our eyes to Jesus and his amazing love and grace for us. And sometimes we might not even understand it. And we don't really know why the, those men's eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus at that point. It's a holy mystery. But God meets us. He is present with us in the meal of Holy Communion. When you've been trying so hard to get your life on track, right, to be a good parent, to be a good spouse, to take care of your finances, to get a good job, to spend time with God, and you feel like you just can't get it right, well, come and sit down at the table, and you'll be reminded that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all right. You don't have to be perfect, because Jesus gives himself to you anyway. When Jesus shared his last supper with his disciples, the people sitting around that table were not perfect. In fact, they were anything but perfect, I would say. The disciples betrayed Jesus. They chose to give him over to be killed. They denied him when they got scared. When Jesus was going to the cross, almost all the disciples went and hid in their homes and ran away because they were afraid. They left him in his darkest hour. They were not perfect. Yet Jesus broke the bread and blessed the wine and shared it with them. 
saying, this is my body and this is my blood, which I have given for you. Do you see how much I love you? Do you see how much I love you? I know you're going to betray me. I love you. I love you. Each time we participate in a sacrament, we are reminded of God's unconditional love for us. Unconditional. Unlimited. And not only do we remember the love that Jesus had for us upon the cross, but we also experience his love new for us right now today in this moment. So we remember Jesus' love for us, and then we experience it new for us today. And so today we are going to join together in the great thanksgiving. We are going to receive communion together. And we also have baptism waters that are available for you to remember your baptism. You can dip your hands in the water and remember your baptism. In the United Methodist Church, we only baptize people once, right? We don't rebaptize people. And that's because we believe God's grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to do it again. But we can remember our baptism. And we can remember um, the grace and the love that God has for us. And so we have um, two different stations for whatever is easiest for you. After you kneel at the altar and you receive communion, you can either step up here and we have um, the baptism waters in our font and you can just dip your hand in it, maybe hold the water, whatever you want to do and take a moment to remember your baptism. There's also a table over here. It's a little different. If you don't want to come up the stairs, this might be a little easier for you. After you get communion, you can walk over to this table and there's actually a pitcher of water and a bowl and you might want to put your hand in the bowl and just pour the water over you and you can remember the, the water that was poured on you or sprinkled on you or that you were dunked in however you were baptized so those are two different ways that you can remember baptism and then we're going to join in holy communion together and remember God's love for us